0: Pleasure.
1: Southview, how are we? Excellent, excellent. Glad to have you with us today. Welcome to you. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us. As we have people still filtering in and we're uh, joining us, we're going ahead and start today. Get cranked up first. If you're a guest with us, welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here. We would love to connect with you and know that you're here and how we can minister to you. And the best way you can do that is just to very simply grab your cell phone. And right now at this second, text the word CONNECT to our number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT there. We'll send you a link, tap on that, answer a couple of questions just so we can know who you are and and, uh, how we can minister to you uh, in the best way possible because, again, we're just so glad that you're here with us today. But for everyone, we've got our big three announcements. We have a lot going on fall and into the holiday season or Big time for us, lots of things happening, so just have a couple of quick announcements we want you to be aware of. First is this, men's breakfast, November 6th, November 6th, 8 o'clock, we've got a men's breakfast, all of our guys, you're encouraged you're going to come and be a part of that, you can sign up by texting BREAKFAST to our number, 910-424-1298, just text BREAKFAST there. We've got a um, phenomenal guy coming in, going to speak to us, a missionary, just been spending his life around the world, sharing the gospel, in some really crazy crazy, difficult places, and God has blessed him so phenomenally, and so he's going to come and share with us. I'm really excited. So that's going to be November 6th, text BREAKFAST to sign up for that. Second, our yearly church family meeting. It's our, our yearly business meeting. We call them our family meetings because it's a chance for us as a church family to get together. Um, that's going to come up in November, uh, November 14th, and uh, in a couple of weeks we'll get you, we'll set out front the information that we'll be voting on as far as the budget next year and and uh, officers and leaders for next year. We'll give you all of that in a couple of weeks, but we're telling you about it now because we're going to be doing it directly after the 11 o'clock service. We're going to serve you lunch. And so we need you to sign up so we know how many to prepare for. So if you can just text family uh, to that number, 910 424 1298, let us know how many in your family you're bringing with you so we can know how many to prepare for. Uh, we would really be appreciative of that. So just text family. Right now, because you're going to forget, text family, let us know how many is coming in your family. November 14th for our yearly family meeting directly after the 11 o'clock service. And then lastly, Operation Christmas Child Christmas boxes. It is that time of year. And so you can grab some uh, boxes as you exit out. You'll find the boxes, grab some. They've got instructions if you've never done it before. Fill those in, bring them, and you can just set them right up front here. Uh, And then we'll gather them up and send them off where they need to be. So don't forget to do that. Grab some on your way out. Fill those uh, up and bring those back in. Those uh, go around. They work with the Samaritan's Purse Ministry. Uh, and those are boxes that go to uh, 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 country, third world countries around the world uh, for kids to have a Christmas gift. something to open for Christmas as well as a chance for them to hear the gospel. It's a wonderful ministry tool that you can have a way to touch lives in another part of the world, uh, loving on kids and sharing the gospel with them without even leaving here. So it's a great tool. We encourage you to do that. Grab some boxes, fill those in. And bring those back in, and we'll have those sent off, all right? Uh, But for all of our other announcements, you can download our church app, iTunes or Google Play. Download the app. That's going to give you all the announcements, everything that's going on. Sign up for events or find a journey group. Uh, You also give online through the app. Two ways you can give. You can give online through the app or the giving boxes when you leave, whatever works best for you. Uh, But you can give online as well. But download that app. That's going to be the best way to keep you connected with all that's going on. But as we worship together today, I want to read some scripture for us to get started. Out of the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Listen to how God describes you, alright? Romans 8 verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Christianity, again, we say this over and over and over again. Christianity is not about you being good and obeying the rules. Christianity is about you make, about God making you his child. We are all born sinners and rebels. We all ran from God as hard and fast as we possibly could. The stories in this room vary and change, but one thing is consistent. Every single one of us ran from God. But God in his grace came and he found you. He chases after you. He came to you not because you were worthy and you changed your life enough and you cleaned yourself up and you did the right things. He came to you when you were unable to do any of that, when you were even unwilling to do any of that. He came and he found you. And he made you his child. He filled you with his spirit. and says, and through that you cry out, Abba, Father, which is a really cool Hebrew way of just saying, Daddy. He makes you his child. He loves you. As we worship here today, we are worshiping not just some distant, far-off, sovereign, powerful God. That is true, yes, but you are also worshiping your great dad who loves you with everything inside of him. Who loves you more than any earthly dad ever possibly could. This is our great God. He loves you. Through faith in Jesus Christ, he has made you his child. So I encourage you today as you worship, worship him as this your great dad who loves you so i want to encourage you to bow your heads for me i want to pray for us as we begin our time god i pray for those here in this room i pray for the christians in this room who believe that you are disappointed with them and frustrated with them i pray for the christians in this room who feel as if you have rejected them or left them i pray for those here in this room who feel like they can't stack up to what you expect of them. I pray for those here in this room who look around at other Christians and think that you must love them more than you love that person because you you seem to, to bless them more. I pray, God, that you would at this moment here today rid us from all of those lies. I pray today that we would see that through faith in Jesus Christ, you are our good dad and then we can cry out and calling you daddy and say Lord I know father that you are there and you love me thank you Jesus do this in us here in this room empower us today to see how glorious and amazing it is to truly be children of God thank you Jesus we love you it's in your name that we pray amen Let's stand together. Let's worship.
2: Down on the floor, all oh, to echo scripture that tells us for this light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient for the things that are unseen are eternal before we sing I just want us to focus and put ourselves in a moment where we really look at what God is doing on us internally as it prepares us for an eternal time of worship and love and joy and peace with him and heaven. never
1: spend a little time praying together here this morning. Um, and we have a, a specific uh, prayer need that we want to set before you as a congregation and ask you to, to remember in prayer. Um, we had tragedy strike us as a church this week. Um, one of our teenagers... Uh, Ethan Elder 15 years old freshman in high school uh, passed away Sunday evening Um, Ethan's parents Chris and Wendy are a part of our church here serving our kids ministry and have four other daughters as well and they're all actively involved here at our church uh, Ethan's service will be tomorrow right here receiving a friends at one service at two um But we want to take just a minute And we want to pray for this family And and I want to read a scripture to us um, For this situation And then then kind of a little bit of a teaching point Just for prayer with us in general Romans chapter 8 Starting in verse 26 Listen what the Lord says I love this passage Likewise So have you ever been in a situation where you're devastated and, and and you want to turn to the Lord and you open your mouth to pray, but literally nothing comes out? And you don't know what to pray. You know that you should, you want to, not that you just should, you, you want to, you want to go to the Lord for this, but your brain just has shut off. You got nothing to say. You don't know what to pray. I love this. The Bible says, in those moments, you know what happens? God steps in and says, it's okay. I know what's to intercede for you on this. You don't have to say anything. He knows hearts. He, of course, knows his heart, and he perfectly intercedes in those moments when we don't know says here he does it perfectly because he works all things according to uh, uh, his perfect will all things turn out for uh, our good in his glory according to his perfect will he works all things together for that and that perfect will being that he makes us more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ so as we walk through times of heartache and pain and difficulty we can know that God has not left us, he has not forsaken us, and we have no idea what to pray, he steps in and intercedes for us because he knows what is right and good and perfect. And so the whole point of all of this is we can just trust him. When we don't know and we have no words and we don't know why this is going on and we can't put an answer to anything, we can say, but God, I trust you and I ask you that you do in me and in this what only you can. That's our prayer for the elder family, and for you in whatever situation you're walking through right now, that gets to be a word that you cling to. You have ever been in a situation where you just ran out of prayers, like you didn't know what to pray anymore? You did that over and over and over and over and over, and you don't know what to say anymore. God says, you don't have to know what to say. I'm going to step in. When you're weak, I'm strong. I'm going to step in and intercede for you here. Trust me. I'm going to work this together for good, for my glory, for your growth in Christ. So let's bow our heads, and, and let's take a minute and let's pray. Take just a minute and lift up this family. And if you don't know what to pray, lean into this passage and say, God, I don't know what to pray. I'm needing you. Intercede for me. I don't know. I don't know what to say. God, I am so God, I'm I'm so overwhelmed with just heartache, just sadness. But God, I thank you that I'm God I'm equally, I'm just overwhelmed by your grace. I thank you for. God, I confess right now, there isn't a single person in this room, me included, who has some kind of perfect word or prayer. We just don't. So God, I just ask you that we will just fall on you. Thank you that you intercede for us when we don't know what to say, don't know what to pray, don't know what to do. You step in on our weakness. You intercede with, with, with groanings just too deep for Thank you that you take it to another level. You know our hearts. You know the real need of our hearts way better than we do. So we trust you with this. We just set it before you and say, Lord God, you do a work in this family that's only possible for you. You do a work in this congregation in a way that's only possible through you. And I pray for each and every one of us as we walk through anything in life where we just feel at a loss, we feel devastated. We feel like we don't have the words. We don't have the prayers. I, I ask you, Lord, that, that Romans 8, 26 through 30 will come flooding to our minds. And we would know that we can turn to you and that you intercede for us in a way that we possibly can't on our own. Because you truly do work all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. That you do, Lord, those who you foreknew, those who you predestined those who you call those who you have justified and made right with you you are bringing them to perfection in ways that we can't figure out and do on our own you're doing all of that, so we just thank you lord that you're doing this work and we trust you for it thank you jesus thank you jesus we need you we spend time in your word now, I ask you, God, again, that you'll just speak to us through your word. Things that we don't even know we need to have spoken to us. Your word's just going to do that. Your spirit knows perfectly well. So, Holy Spirit, come intercede now for us. I can't do this. I can't say the right words or teach the right things or do any of that. Holy Spirit, this is the word that you have to do. So, I pray, God, that's exactly what you do. You step in and you do the work that's only possible for you. You take your word. Power it with your Holy Spirit and do a thing that only you can. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. If you got a Bible, let's find Galatians chapter 3, okay? Galatians 3. And I think today fits so perfectly with what we're praying through and how we're walking through this. Because this is exactly where the rubber meets the road for us. Um, so, first I want to tell you the story about a guy named Scott Bolson. So, Scott um, grew up in the Chicago land area, uh, was a star athlete. Uh, Scott ended up getting a football scholarship to the University of Illinois. Uh, actually even was able to play a few seasons in the NFL. Uh, did well for himself. Married his high school sweetheart, had a couple of kids. After football, started a very successful and lucrative uh, private charter plane business. Things were going really, really, really good for Scott. And then one day in 2008, Scott walked into the restroom at his office building, slipped on a freshly mopped floor, fell, and hit the back of his head very, very, very hard. Knocked him unconscious. He was discovered, called 911, sent him to the hospital. In about a day or so, Scott woke up. Surrounded by his wife, his kids, his parents. And Scott looked around the room and had absolutely no idea who any of those people were. He didn't know who his wife was. He didn't know who his kids were. He didn't know who his parents were. He didn't know who he was. Scott was diagnosed with what's called full retrograde amnesia. He says it's almost like someone took the first 46 years of his life and hit the delete key. It was all just gone. He didn't know who he was, he didn't know who his family was, he didn't know anything. He had no memories. He would, they'd take him home and go, well, watch some movies and some, some, some pictures, and it'll, it'll come back, and nothing did. He would see himself in a picture, but it was like he was watching someone else live that life. Scott Bolson was still Scott Bolson, but he had completely forgotten how to live a Scott Bolson. Does that make sense? Like, he was still who he was, but he had completely forgotten how to live that life. It just fallen out of his brain. In the same way, I believe a lot of Christians struggle from gospel amnesia. We forget who God is. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, it completely train wrecks everything else. We, God is who he is. That hasn't changed. We are still who we are in Christ. That hasn't changed. The gospel is still the most glorious good news in the history of the universe. None of that has changed. However, because we have forgotten all of these things, it it's caused devastation and difficulty and hardship in our lives. So the point of today, and what we're going to see with the book of Galatians, what happened with them, and I think what happens with us is, as well is we, we forget these things. We get thrown off track, and as a result of that, chaos ensues. So what we're going to do today is we're going to see what does it look like to lose, to forget, to be led off astray from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and how do we bring it back again? So let's begin our time together by... Uh, we're citing our little definition of the gospel, okay? So we're all on the same page, and we know what it is that we're going after here. So the gospel is right standing with God that was bought by Jesus on the cross. It is enjoyed only by faith in his work. Anything added to the gospel ruins it, and you miss Jesus. This is the gospel. This is how Jesus changes you, how Jesus makes you new. But what we're going to see is it is possible... It is possible for us as Christians to forget this. In fact, not only is it possible, it is a guarantee. Every single person in this room, the guy with the mic included, will on some level, in some way, shape, or form, forget. This is the whole point of Galatians. We forget We forget who God is. We forget how glorious the gospel is. We forget how Jesus Christ has made us new. It's not just something that could happen to you or might happen to you. The point I want you to see today is it is something that is to one way, shape, or form currently happening in all of our lives. We all need a greater, more powerful, more robust, deeper longing and understanding and walking in the glorious, amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. The Galatians we're getting off track, and so Paul has to step in and say, "Hey, let's, let's get back on. So let's jump in together, let's see what's happening here with them and how the Apostle Paul seeks to kind of set them back on course. Galatians three verse one. Look what he says, "Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified." He calls them foolish. It, what are you doing? Now, this isn't, he's not mocking them. He's not making fun of them. He's not calling them names. I, I think this is full of, of disappointment and full of, of, of sadness. Have you ever had someone do something? And it's not so much that you're mad at them as much as you're just heartbroken. Are you just devastated that they would do that? Not even that you're mad. You're just broken. This is Paul, he's looking at me just saying, why are you, how could you be so foolish? How can you walk away from this? Don't you see how glorious and beautiful and amazing Jesus is? How can you do this? And it says, he has another question. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That literally is a word for witchcraft, the occult. Legalism is demonic. It has a demonic scheme. It is Satan's goal. Again, Satan cannot stop you from being made right with God through Jesus alone. He can't stop that from happening. That's not in his purview. So what he does try to do is stop you from experiencing the joy that comes with it. He can't stop you from being saved, but he stops you from enjoying being saved. And he does that by trying to trick you and deceive you into adding works onto this. Not just experiencing and loving and rejoicing and worshiping in a free, ridiculous, gracious gospel that's just given to you. Yes, here, I'm going to make you right with God. Just take it. He tries to get you to to not enjoy the fullness of that by, by adding some rules to it all. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. They didn't see Jesus crucified. That happened hundreds of miles away from them. But when they were told of the crucifixion of Jesus, it was like it just leapt off the page. It was right there in front of them. Now, Paul is going to try to really drill this home, and he does that by asking them a few questions. And so we're going to see the questions that he asks and then kind of ask them of ourselves as well. All right? So verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So he starts out with salvation. He's just real super simple. He like, did you get saved because God just saved you by grace through faith? Or did you get saved because you were worthy of it and worked towards it? Well, the answer is obviously, we know this, it's just grace through faith. You are not saved according to your own works. But it's a gift from God so that no one may boast, right? Ephesians 2. You're just saved by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with anything that you do. And we have to set this understanding, and and he keeps bringing it back to that, and we have to bring it back to that as well. You don't move beyond this. You have to keep coming back to this realization, this understanding, this coming back to, I was just freely forgiven, and it was nothing to do with anything that I was able to bring to the table. God just in his grace saved me. You come back to this over and over and over. You don't move on from this. You don't graduate from this. Getting deep doesn't mean you got that nailed and now let's go to other things. Deep means you keep coming back to this and you're always even more amazed that God just saved me. He just saved me. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy of it. I didn't earn it. He just did it. That is how you go deep. You keep going back to that. he become more and more and more and more and more that He just did that for me. So then he goes on to the next thing. Okay, so, so you're saved by grace. All right, so now here's the question. Here's, here's, here's where they were really kind of starting to monkey with it, and here's where we monkey with it as well. Look at verse 3. Are you so foolish? He comes back again at that, right? He's like, just to make sure you understand you're, you're being stupid. So, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So they're saying, just like we would say, Well, of course, you're saved by grace. Yes, 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 of course. But you grow in your faith, you grow in your relationship with God by doing these things, right? We we talk about this all, we talk like this all the time. If you're really going to be mature, if you're really going to grow, you have to stop doing these things. Like I'm, I'm not going to party anymore, and I'm not going to do these things anymore, and I'm, I'm going to clean up my language, and I'm going to start doing these things. I'm going to start reading my Bible, and I'm going to start going to church. And, and so we, we boil down our growth in Christ based off of what we do. Instead of understanding every bit of it is just grace. Think about it like this. Imagine you, were, you have a flight, right? So you're on a plane. You're sitting there on the plane. Takes off, you know. You're just you're flying 35,000 feet, and you're, you're just sitting there. And you look over across the aisle, and the guy across from you is just sweating profusely. And he's sitting there, and he's doing this. You're like, excuse me, what are you doing? I'm keeping the plane up. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Look, ever since I've been doing this, we have stayed in the air. This is helping. Everybody, do what I'm doing right now. This is gonna help us stay. Everybody do this. What are you doing? You're looking for an air marshal, is what you're doing. This is nuts. You're going to go, excuse, sir. You're not keeping the plane up. All right. All you're doing is tearing, is is wearing yourself out, and freaking everybody else out. Right. You're not helping. And listen to me. You look at that and go, "That's stupid." So is legalism. What are you doing? You are saved by grace. You are kept by grace. And as Jesus is holding you in his hand, you have the audacity to flap your arms pretending like you're keeping yourself up. Is this making sense? We we, we start looking at these things that we do and go, well, of course I'm righteous. Look how I'm living. Of course I'm righteous. Look at the Bible version I read. Of course I'm righteous. Look at the music I don't listen to. We look at the external things things and assume that that is what's doing this work in us and it's not it is exactly what verse three says listen to me foolish that's dumb it isn't working all you're doing is needlessly wearing yourself out and freaking everybody else out around you because just like the moron on the plane. The moron in the pew doesn't just flap their own arms. They look around and tell everybody they got to do it also. Right? It's not just me flapping. Hey, if you don't flap, we're going to crash. Everybody has to do it. And it ruins relationships. It ruins churches. It ruins your soul. Foolish, foolish, foolish. Having been saved by grace, are you now being perfected by your works? We look at the things we do, and we give glory and honor to the thing that is what legalism is. You look at the thing you do, and you give glory and honor to the thing that you do, rather than the God who maybe used that thing to accomplish something in you. Does that make sense? So next to our house, we have someone building a house. If I, and as we've been watching it go up, you know, over the last few months, if I walked out tomorrow morning, right, all the builders are out there working, and I walked out, and I picked up a guy's hammer off the table, and I said, you have done a great job. You, Mr. Hammer, have bought a great house. This thing is amazing. You did great. right?" The, the builder is going to look at me and think, I'm nuts, Right? Because the builder, the construction worker, the carpenter, that's the person who's actually done this. He used a tool to accomplish it, but the tool didn't do the work. The builder did the work. I'm glad that you've discovered a systematic theology that fits well with you. But it's God who's done a work with you, not your theology. I'm glad that you like to dress in a certain way because it, you feel like it It. 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 it symbolizes something that the Lord is doing in you that's awesome, but it's God who's done a work in you, not your clothes. I'm glad that you don't drink, but it's God who's done a work in you, not the fact that you don't drink beer. I'm glad that you are free in Christ to drink beer, but that's not what makes you holy either. It's just God. That's what he's trying to say here. Don't be so foolish to think anything you do is accomplishing squat. It's just tools. There may be good tools. God may use it greatly in your life. But it's God who's doing the work, not that thing. Right? So then verse 4, he keeps on going. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed indeed it was in vain. So the Galatians had to suffer persecution because of their faith in Christ. He's like, look, you you suffered so much for your faith in Christ. Why now are you walking away from that? And and, and not only that, that word suffer can mean experience. And the idea is the highs and lows of of life, the good times and the bad, you only are able to walk through that because of God's grace. It's not what you do. You're not able to walk through that hard time because you're so strong. You walk through that hard time because of God's grace. That's what Paul is saying here. It's like, look, you've you've walked through some difficult seasons all because of God's grace. Are you going to just throw that away now? God's grace has has sustained you through so much. Don't walk away from that. Verse 5, he gives another one. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So now he's talking about miracles. Listen, we believe God does the miraculous. We believe God does things that are not, that don't make sense. Things that step outside of the bounds of natural reason and logic and science. And what he's saying here is this, God did not do that because you were worthy of it. He did those things by grace. What he's trying to show you here is every single thing in your life is just by grace. Everything. You are saved by grace. You grow by grace. You endure difficulty by grace. You experience the miracles of God by grace. Every single in your life is just by the gracious hand of God and that is it. And to put an even finer point on it, in verse 5 he goes Old Testament on them. Verse 5 Again, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Verse 6 Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. So to prove that salvation is about faith and not works, Paul uses the example of Abraham. So when Abraham was called by God, quick Bible pop quiz. When Abraham was called by God, was he a Jew or a Gentile? Don't answer, you're going to get it wrong. He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. Right? The Jewish people did not exist at that point. Abraham was a pagan idol worshiping Gentile. He did not pursue the God of the Bible. He did not know and love the God of the Bible. He was lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Lost. He was worshiping false gods. He was chasing after his own way. And God came to him. God came to him. God found him. God chose him. And it says in Genesis 15, 6 that Abraham believed God. And that's what made him righteous with God. It wasn't what he did. It wasn't how he lived. It was the fact that he trusted God. And as a result of that, Abraham was made righteous with God. And it was before any kind of circumcision. So the big thing here in Galatians is circumcision. Abraham believed God 430 years before circumcision was even made a law. It's just about grace. It's not about your works. It's not about what you can do. So here's the point. Paul is trying to get us to understand. Everything in your life is just about grace. Everything in your life. You're saved by grace. You grow by grace. You endure difficulty by grace. You experience the miracle hand of God by grace. Everything is by grace. But when we forget that, when we lose sight of that, that's when things start to get funky and weird. Every time you and I sin. Every time you and I sin, in some way, shape, or form, it's because we forget who we are in Christ. We forget who God is, we forget the gospel, we forget who we are in Jesus Christ. Every time you feel far from God, every time you feel like God is angry with you, every time you feel as if you are being condemned by God and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's because you have forgotten the gospel. The relationships in our lives bear witness to whether or not we are remembering the gospel or not. If a Christian wife is hypercritical of her husband, it is not because he's an idiot. It's because she has forgotten the gospel. If a Christian dad is hypercritical of his kids, it's not because they're boneheads. It's because he's forgotten the gospel. God was gracious to you. And instead of remembering that and now living graciously to others, we now put them on works. And think about it. I mean, think about just the way that we interact with people. Well, I will forgive them if they apologize. I will talk to them if they talk to me. I'll be nice to them if they're nice to me. What are we doing? We're doing a gospel of works. We're doing a a, a works-based understanding of how God interacts with us and now how we interact with others. When we understand that God is just gracious to us and not according to works, now we're empowered to be gracious to others, not according to works. Forgetting the gospel has enormous ramifications on everything in your life. This is why we come back to this over and over and over. This is why we're doing 13 weeks in Galatians, remembering the gospel, remembering God's grace, remembering the fact that it is just by faith in the gracious work of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. That impacts everything in your life. And apart from that, it all crumbles. So how do we remember? I'm going to give you a few quick things. How do we remember? I want to read a scripture to you, Philippians three twelve through 6. We'll put it up on the screen, or you can open up your word if you'd like to follow along. How do we remember? Philippians three twelve. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So I'm going to give you five quick things from this passage that I think help us remember. right, number one, be humble. So look what the Apostle Paul says. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not perfect. He's walking in humility. When you start to think that you've got it pegged, that you're strong enough, that you can accomplish this, that you're ready to move beyond this into deeper waters, you just put a giant bullseye on your back. Be humble. Understand that you are are in desperate need of the grace of God every second of your life for everything. There's nothing in your life that comes to you apart from the grace of God. Be humble. You have not, listen to me, you have not pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. You have just been the recipient of God's grace. Be humble. Two, focus on Christ. That second part of verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Anything that you have in life, any, any pursuit of Christ, any growth in the Christian life is only because Jesus has already grabbed you first. That makes sense? You're able to walk forward in Christ because Christ has already grabbed you. You're able to pursue Christ because Christ has already grabbed you. It is all on Jesus. It is not about you. It is all about Christ. Focus on Christ. And you feel weak. You feel like you can't go forward. You feel like you're not growing. You focus on Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you have taken me, that you have grabbed me, that you own me, that you have made me new. Thank you, Jesus. You have done this. Focus on Christ, not you. You will forget the gospel the more you focus on you. We focus on Christ the author and finisher of our faith, the person who started this work, the person who will finish this work. We just look to Jesus. Three, believe that you've been made new. Verse 13 says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He's talking about the gospel here. He said, look, I forget my old life and I'm straining forward to a new life. I'm not who I used to be. I've been made new. That old man is dead. I'm pushing forward to who I am in Christ. Jesus Christ has made you new. Believe by faith that you are new. Look, you're going to get in your car you're going to drive home today, and I want you to notice something. Here's a quick Bible lesson as you get in your car. I want this to be a regular reminder for you. You're going to notice the rearview mirror is significantly smaller than the windshield in front of you. You know why that is? Because we want you to spend way more time looking forward than looking backwards. If you drive looking in your rearview mirror, you're going to hit something in front of you. You're going to crash. The reason many of us are struggling in our Christian walk is because we've forgotten the gospel by constantly looking at our past. You have been made new. Forgetting what lies behind, I press forward to what is ahead. Jesus Christ has made you new. Remember that. Fourth, Keep pressing on. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Keep moving forward. Move forward by having good friends in your life who love Jesus and are going to point you to Jesus. Move forward by spending time in the Word even when you feel like it's not doing anything. Press forward. Press on. Those of you who have... Uh, served in the military, going through uh, boot camp, basic training. What are the basics of combat? Move, shoot, communicate. Right? A sitting duck is a dead duck. If you're in the middle of a fight, human nature is hunker down, stay low, just, just hide. That's a great way of not going home. What do you do? You've got to move. You've got to move. Same thing in Christ. Move. Don't stop. Don't slow down. Riding a bike. How do you keep staying up on a bike? By moving forward. Press on. And last, trust God to do his work. I love verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. So if you're looking for a definition of maturity, we just read it. Those who are mature will think like this. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I love this. So you know what God's doing? He's he's taking the pressure off. Let God do his work. If there's something in your life that is amiss and needs to be fixed, God's going to show you. Trust him. If there's something in someone else's life that needs to be fixed, God can show them. Trust him. Pray more than you talk. Pray for them. If there's anything that needs to be fixed, what does he say? God will reveal that also to you. Trust God to do his work. How do we remember? We remember being humble. We remember by focusing on Christ, believing he's made us new, pressing forward to Jesus Christ, and trusting him to do his good work in us. I'm going to ask our band to come up. And... And as they're coming up, um, so we all need to still be discipled and grow. I'm no different. Uh, Yesterday, last night, um, my seven-year-old daughter discipled me. We're driving home and we're talking about all that's been happening here in our church and um, I don't know if you know this. If, if if you're not super plugged in, you may not know the extent. Um, we, we, uh, we've had eight deaths in the last two months as a congregation, which is a lot. It's a lot. Um, so we're driving, and and my seven year old is talking about that. Um, she said, that's a lot." I said, "Yeah, that is a lot, baby." Um, she said, "Well, what?" What makes me feel better is I know that people who die go to heaven. Then she stopped herself. She said, No, not everyone does that. I said, You're right, baby. I said, "Uh, Only those who, who believe in Jesus. She said, No, no. You have to trust in Jesus. I said, All right, you got me. Yeah, you're right. Good call. It is not enough to simply just believe. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us that even Satan and his demons do that. The difference is trust. So my question for you, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him? What that means is, have you Have you set aside all of your best work and your best efforts and all that you can accomplish and just said, Jesus Christ, I need you. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to fail miserably. I can't. Jesus, I need you. I trust you. You died on the cross for my sin. You rose again to give me new life. Jesus, I need you. I give myself to you. I trust you. Make me new. Have you trusted Jesus. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to pray for us. Every person in this room, every single one of us is susceptible to forgetting how great and glorious and amazing the gospel of Jesus Christ is. We forget that we were just saved by grace and God in his mercy just handed it to us. Just simply believing by faith in Jesus Christ, we are made new. We forget that it's not my best work and best effort that empowers me to grow in that faith. It's just the grace of God. We forget that all the difficulties and trials and struggles that we walk through in life, we're not going to walk through that and endure that because we're strong or we're tough because of God's grace. We forget that any glorious, miraculous thing that we experience in our life, that's just by the gracious hand of God. We didn't earn that. We didn't work up enough faith for that. It was just God in His grace. Have you forgotten are you living your life just by grace today do you need to begin a life in Jesus Christ by grace trust in Jesus Christ today trust in him that his death on the cross trusting in him makes you new you can do that today Say, Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Dying on the cross for my sin and rising again, I trust in you. Make me new. He will. Trust him for that today. Lord God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you that you would today empower us to remember glorious and amazing your grace on our lives is thank you god we need your grace we need more of your grace pour it on us right now here today we ask this in the name of jesus amen let's stand let's spend our time here at the end of our service worshiping together praising god for his glorious amazing grace
2: the uh-huh. still my God, my salvation.
1: We just thank you. We just thank you that your grace is amazing. Your grace accomplishes in us what is just not possible. Holy Spirit, I pray that your grace will cover us in this room, that we would see every single second of our lives is just possible because of your grace. Grace, and that we just keep running back to you for more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it. We need you. Pour your grace on us, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.